Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Bare Necessities podcast. We're apologizing for the late upload. Everyone knows it was Christmas, so we actually missed our upload day that was slated to be on Christmas. Uh, so this is why the podcast is coming out a little bit late. But today we have an episode that's jam-packed with a bunch of different topics. We're going to be going over the Chicago Bears signing Spencer Ware. And then we're going to take a look at Robinson and Roquan Smith, both being snubbed from the Pro Bowl. David Montgomery having his little breakout at the the end of the season and reflecting on Trubisky's performance. After that, we're going to get into Zach Wilson's performance at the Boca Raton Bowl and how that may impact his draft stock and if the Chicago Bears uh, should be interested in him. Finally, we're going to wrap it up with our Jaguars pregame show and, and give our thoughts and predictions on that. Thank you guys so much for joining the show once again. We hope you appreciate the uh, increased upload consistency. We're still working towards it. We're getting a system that's working uh, down for us. You know, this is kind of a difficult time. Reese and I are both extremely busy uh, with working and then school and everything's going on right now. But uh, we appreciate you guys' consistent listenership and uh, bear down, guys. Also, guys, really quickly, I just want to apologize for the vocal quality uh, of my microphone during this podcast. For some reason, um, my programming was routing my audio through a different system than I expected. And uh, so pretty much the audio quality is instead of coming from the Shure SM7B, it's coming from AirPods. So we apologize for that. Uh, and we're going to make sure that doesn't happen again. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Bear Necessities podcast. This week, we have a birthday special for my co-host Reese, here, Reese. Uh, Reese, how does it feel to be 45? Pretty good, yeah. It's good to, to finally, you know, make it to that point. You know, I feel like even though I'm about halfway through my life, you know, things are going well and... You know, the podcast has always been a dream of mine, so I'm happy that, you know, we've made it this far. And tell me, what is your greatest accomplishment in the 22 years of life you have lived? <laughs> My greatest accomplishment? Wow. Yeah, so your greatest accomplishment. I guess probably graduating college. I don't know. That just happened. Bro, though, it's... So. Really, bro? You're, you're just going to leave us here like this? What do you mean? I, I gave you an I gave you an alley oop just to say the podcast and say how all the fans <laughs> are your greatest. All right, all right. I guess we're gonna have to cut this one. But out, I just but. mentioned on the other <laughs> one though, and I was being half serious. But you know, true, true, true. Well, I mean, regardless, happy birthday, and uh, I'm sure all of the fans in the in the comments below will. You know, if this part's on YouTube, either send us, you know, leave us a little comment saying happy birthday, Reese, or I'm sure I'll get plenty of emails saying happy birthday, <laughs> Reese, to bearnecessitiespodcast at gmail.com. Um, anyways, let's go ahead and get right into the show. Um, man, the Bears signed Spencer Ware, you know, Lamar Miller. His stint here was very short since the Washington football team signed him off. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is kind of an underwhelming move, you know, I, I don't really expect him to be playing much. I mean, it's, it's interesting to see any decently accomplished running back like Lamar Miller, like Spencer Ware, uh, come over to Chicago bears and, you know, we're going to see him on the field. It's kind of interesting. That's coming, uh, right after Lamar Miller was signed off the practice squad, uh, it seems like they're just maybe trying to find a running back to fill that spot, or maybe they're trying to find a playoff running back because we're starting to get late in the season and they know that they're going to be making the playoffs. Yeah, that's kind of that went through my head. The second part of that is you know kind of the playoff running back. You need a a deeper stable of running backs in the playoffs because you know you do a lot of the running the football. You know they're tough, hard fought games, and you know people get banged up and. You know, while Montgomery, you know, other than his little hiccup earlier earlier in the season with a concussion, you know, has remained fairly healthy. You still want to get, you know, that good depth. And yeah, I agree. You know, Spencer Ware, he's not someone that's going to necessarily, you know, knock your socks off or whatever. But I think that, you know, he does have a decent, you know, track sheet in the league, you know, some decent time with Kansas City. And, you know, he kind of has an interesting running style. I mean, he's not extremely powerful. He's not extremely quick, but, you know, I think he's fairly balanced and he can also help out in the pass game too. So 
he'll be good relief for David Montgomery, and you know maybe he'll take a few you know touches out of uh, Patterson's hands. I guess it's kind of interesting because it seems like over the past couple of years the running game in the NFL starts to really die down towards the end of the season. I don't know if it's because running backs just take such a big workload in the beginning or if it's because offenses finally start to kind of hit their stride at the end there. But, I mean, you need a good rotation of running backs. And really outside of you know, David Montgomery, we don't have that. I mean, we can see, say, Cordell Patterson's a running back. I know that he's slightly injured. But having someone who is more experienced at the role, uh, someone who has experience in Matt Nagy's offense, that's going to be really uh, really beneficial for the Chicago Bears going into the playoffs if they, of course, make it. Obviously, that's not guaranteed right now, but it seems as if uh, that will likely happen, uh, given that I am willing to believe that the Cardinals are probably going to drop one of their two, last two games. Um, but we can get into that later in the show. Robinson and Roquan Smith were snubbed from the Pro Bowl. You know, Robinson... I'm okay with it. Seems like there's a lot of talented receivers in the NFC right now. The one that I think is really, really egregious is Roquan Smith because he has the best stats in the NFL currently. And people want to say, oh, hey, you know, stats don't always matter for the Pro Bowl. It's about this. Okay, then why did Darius Leonard make it like twice in a row when pretty much the only reason he was making it was because of all the stats he was putting up, the high tackle numbers, high tackles for loss. Roquan Smith has 17 tackles for loss right now. He's putting up all pro numbers, uh, four sacks, and it's just he he's doing really well right now. It's really sad to see that he didn't make make the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I mean – you know, fortunately, I guess the Pro Bowl isn't quite, you know, what it once was, but it'd be good to at least see him get the nod. And, you know, I think Roquan's definitely the bigger snub. I, I could definitely see, you know, A-Rob getting in that spot. I mean, it would make sense. He's definitely Pro Bowl, you know, quality. But, yeah, Roquan, with the season that he's having, you know, leading the league in tackles, you know, leading the league in tackles for loss, um, you know, he's really been one of the centerpieces of this defense. He's had a couple, you know, not – you know, not quite to his, you know, expectation kind of games throughout the season, but most of the time he's been, been fairly consistent, you know, a big, big reason why his defense is as good as it is. So yeah, it was definitely odd to see him left off of it. And, you know, I think he's definitely one of the better linebackers in the league right now. So it didn't really do him justice. Yeah. It's just unfortunate because while it isn't necessarily, a, it's not defi- defining or anything like that. It really doesn't have any sort of significance, but it is good to see young players rewarded for their work. I mean, <clears throat> Roquan Smith playing at the level that he's playing at, he's only 23 years old. I think a lot of people don't even recognize that. So he is right. He is really young and he is absolutely dominating. He is going to be a leader on this defense for a very long time. Uh, obviously Khalil Mack and Cordell Patterson, you know, two people who are among the, the most dominant in the, at their position, if not the most dominant, uh, on their respected, you know, positional grouping. So defense and special teams, uh, they both make the Pro Bowl. Um, Eddie Jackson, you know, Kyle Fuller, guys that we are used to making the Pro Bowl don't make it, uh, this year. So, you know, I want to say that it's not deserve, er, that it's deserving that they didn't, but, um, you know, they, they didn't really deserve, <laughs> deserve to go to the Pro Bowl. It seems like they both have had kind of stepped down. Kyle Fuller, especially was starting off really fast and, and really hot, but then fell back. I don't know if it was just the exhaustion that the defense was put through during the middle of the season because of the offense. That's what I tend to believe it is. Uh, it seems like that kind of happened last year. But, again, I think it might get back to just the fact that we probably are going to need to move on from Chuck Pagano, uh, find a new defensive coordinator, and uh, just make some adjustments on that front. Yeah, I think, you know, Eddie Jackson, I can definitely see, you know, why. I mean, really no question in the past two seasons his production has gone down. Um, Kyle Fuller, I think, you know, even with the start that he had, he could have possibly gotten a nod. And I think, you know, one of my favorite things is he's been a really sure tackler all season long. I've loved, like, how how hard he's been going after ball carriers and all that. But, you know, I, it's fine to, like, not see him in there. I think, really, a lot of the attention for this defense has been up front, and that's because that's where they're really causing most of the havoc. I mean, you know, the Bears aren't really getting too many picks um, this season. A lot more 
I feel like a lot more forced fumbles, but it may not be the case. But, you know, it, it seems like, you know, relatively it's the, you know, the front seven that's doing most of the damage. I think the way teams play the Bears' defense has just changed changed since 2018. Because one of the things that's interesting in the NFL is you oftentimes will see less dominant pass rushers get the higher sack totals because teams don't really account for them in the same way that more dominant pass rushers get accounted for. So, for instance, when teams play the Chicago Bears... What I noticed in 2018 is they would come in and they'd have the game plan that you'd see out of a normal team playing a uh, regular defense where it would be just their normal game plan. They wouldn't have anything very heavily adjusted on offense. Uh, they would just kind of do what they normally do. What I noticed in 20, like towards the end of 2018 and beyond is that the way that teams play the Chicago Bears fundamentally change. They do a lot more play action. They do a lot more bootlegs. They do a lot more, you know, just little screen passes or within seven yards, just chipping away at the Bears defense because they understand that if you, you know, let Khalil Mack go at full pace for the entire game, it's going to be impossible to stop him. Even if you have two, three people on him, he can still wreck through an offensive line. So that's why I, I think sometimes people will look at Khalil Mack and say, hey, he's only putting up, you know, this season he might, let's say, put up 10 sacks last season. 10 sacks while injured, by the way. Oh, and Eddie Jackson's, you know, interception numbers fell down. By the way, he should have two pick sixes this season that were called back off of crappy penalties. But we're, we yeah. don't even need to get into that. Um, and anyways, it's just I think that's where – like people see the interception numbers drop and the big play numbers drop, but it's not that the defense has necessarily gotten significantly worse. They really haven't. What it really is a lot, and there is some, there is some, obviously, there is some uh, fallback from 2018, but what a large portion of it is, is that teams are just figuring out that what is successful against the Bears isn't really uh, what is, you know, like it's not their typical game plans, and teams that come in with their typical game plans, I think we see this defense have the best game with it. One team that I want to look at in particular was uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they just got absolutely wrecked on by our defense. Even though they put up numbers uh, for that type of offense, putting up those type of numbers, it's not that great. Yeah, and you know, I think that you know. Where when it comes to stats and defense, I, I think that it, it can really be misleading. You know, I, I think in general the kind of impact that defensive players have, and you know what's recorded in stats. I mean, of course, like sacks and things like that. You know, are, are somewhat representative, and they track things like hurries and quarterback pressures and all that, all those good you know metrics. But you know, in reality, it's really hard to fully capture. You know, just what you know kind of impact a player has on every kind of play, and you know, I think someone like Khalil Mack, you know, surely, you know, is still one of the top players in the league, even if he doesn't quite put up those numbers. I mean, like you said, defenses know that they need to account for him. And, you know, and still with a lot of these players on, you know, the Bears defense that, you know, maybe aren't having as great seasons. I mean, offenses know that they need to account for players like Eddie Jackson too. Like that talent, that skill set is still very much there. Like you said, you know, two pick sixes that were called back um, that probably shouldn't have been called back. So, you really have to take it as it is, and you know the best way to judge is actually just by watching. And unfortunately, with these Pro Bowl selections, you know, no one is really doing that great of comprehensive research, and unfortunately, it's not completely representative. It also just has to do with the fact that the Bears are not performing well, or went through a slump of not performing well, because the way players on a team are viewed, whether good or bad it, a lot of the time it's in reference to how the team's performing as well you know that's why you you saw so many pro bowlers come out of that 2018 team that went 12 and 4 and then a lot of those players didn't make the pro bowl uh later in the year and while yes you can say that their big seasons that led to them getting to the pro bowl is a reason for why they're performing well I think it's clear in the Chicago Bears that the largest reason why the Bears weren't performing well was the quarterback this year and just the stark contrast from 2020 and 2019 to 2018 in quarterback play um, and offensive production, really. But 
I mean, it it is what it is. You know, it's the Pro Bowl. It, it's really meaningless. Uh, but I would have liked to see guys like Roquan Smith, Akeem Hicks, Allen Robinson make the Pro Bowl. And I think a lot of them will next year, um, especially if we can get this quarterback thing hammered out, <laughs> which is yeah, a big I mean, if, which is a big if. <laughs> I know what you mean, too. I mean, yeah, there's a lot that comes from overall team success. The most successful teams are going to put the most players in. And, yeah, it was really the offensive line and the quarterback position in general that really led to this team you know, failing in that many of, you know, in the many, uh, you know, in many terms of offensive production. So, yeah, I mean, it's really tough to put a lot of stock into the Pro Bowl, but it is good to see, you know, your team getting represented. So I guess it's just good when you're doing good and, you know, you can enjoy it then. And when you're not doing so hot, you kind of just, you know, write it off. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And there's players who deserve to make the Pro Bowl, players who don't. The thing that, the the thing that really aggravated me with Roquan, and we'll just move on after this last statement. Fred Warner made it over him, and I'm just like, what? Like like certain players that make it, you're just like, how did he make it over Roquan? Um, but you know, again, it is what it is. Doesn't really matter too much. I think Roquan will actually be an All Pro still. I I don't see a better. There's a good chance, you know, yeah. I like statistically speaking. Uh, there really is not a better option uh, than Roquan Smith at that all-pro position. Um, but let, let's go ahead and move on. Finally, we have some good news, you know. Uh, it seems like we're getting a little bit of negativity on YouTube um, on, with some of our podcast clips about us being a little negative on the Chicago Bears even after they won that Texans game. I didn't realize that a lot of people wanted us to be overly reactionary in the way that we respond to the Chicago Bears, but I guess that is what people want. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Most most of you guys always have a lot of positive reactions, but you know, there's always going to be people when we're critical or skeptical of this Bears team saying that we're bum fans. We got we got that comment uh, <laughs> pretty recently and you know it is what it is, but let's talk about David Montgomery's breakout. Man, this is huge. This is huge because I think for the first time we're seeing David Montgomery behind a competent offensive line. And by competent, I don't even mean good. I mean competent, you know. The offensive line, that interior has really taken a step up. We need to keep doing whatever the hell we're doing there. Uh, Sam Mustaford is a stud. He needs to be our starting center next season. Alex Bars, we need to bring him back as well to either be a rotational piece or how, go ahead and put him, uh, I mean, if he beats out James Daniels, that it is what it is. I just want the best player there. Um, and Jermaine Fetty, honestly, he's performing better than uh, Bobby Massey. It, so far, it looks like. So, hell, I mean, Jermaine Fetty, we can get him a much ke- cheaper contract than Bobby Massey. Why don't we go ahead and swap them out? Or better yet, just throw Charles Leno Jr. over at that right tackle position and draft a stud. Uh, if we're not going to draft a quarterback, draft a stud and put a high round draft pick at that left tackle position. And this offensive line is going to be crazy for David Montgomery. So David Montgomery's breakout, though, he's been putting up insane numbers. I think in the past three games, he has six touchdowns. Um, he's on pace to break a thousand yards for sure. Um, a thousand rushing yards. Sorry. Last year he had a thousand all purpose yards. This year he has a thousand rushing yards. I mean, it's really interesting because I think some some people I was seeing on Twitter, especially with a certain Packers beat reporter by the name of Peter Bukowski, uh, mm-hmm. who who made who made a who made a really bold statement uh, when David Montgomery was drafted that he is identical to Jordan Howard, which is just <laughs> so off, like so yeah. so off, which is so off. And then he also made the statement that. I forget who it was, but I think it was a running back from Notre Dame that the Packers drafted was going to be better than David Montgomery. And after, after like one year, he was, uh, he was cut by the team. So I think we're starting to get a little key, a little eye look into Peter Bukowski's analyst skills. Uh, but we, we don't need to get into that. Um, but David Montgomery starting to have a huge year, man. And I'm excited for him because the second he's gotten a competent offensive line, he has been a stud, absolute impossible to bring down. Um, it takes three players to bring him down on every single play. Um, he's just a really good combination for a workhorse back, I feel like. 
I think that speed, yeah, he he's not he doesn't necessarily have the breakaway speed, but that's kind of one of the most overrated aspects of a running back in my opinion. I think it's much more important to have a running back who can get you a consistent 4 or 5 yards on every single run than it is to have a running back who's going to have this breakaway speed because those are easy to find in um change of pace backs. So Ultimately, Reese, what are your initial reactions on this David Montgomery breakout, man? This is this is big time for the Bears. Yeah, I think well, it's definitely important, you know, for the offense as a whole. Oh man. <laughs> no, no worries. Keep going. <laughs> I was about to say it's definitely uh, it's definitely important, you know, for the offense as a whole because it's really giving them a good sense of of rhythm, and you know, he's been running without hesitation and you know since he's been getting you know just creases in that offensive line you know not always you know huge holes that he's running between but he's finding creases and he's he's running through them and he has great pad level and you know with that combination he's able to continually grind out some good yards always falling forward you know breaking those first tackles I mean he's he's the ultimate back for that kind of of running style and Right, he might get chased down, and we you know once he breaks through that second level, you know, generally most you know people in the secondary are able to chase someone like Montgomery down, but you know at the same time, that's after he's gotten you know twenty yards in that case, and yeah, what he is doing best is what you brought up. You know, he's consistently getting you know five yards, you know six yards. I mean, I think what his average is like seven seven yards per carry right now over the past yeah. like three or four weeks. So yeah. He's been doing really good, and he's been, you know, very consistent. And the Bears' offense has really taken that performance, and you know, started running more play action, more bootlegs. You know, getting that those kind of plays into the playbook, which is something they've really needed to do effectively for a long time. And just being able to, you know, utilize those kind of plays keeps the defense on edge, keeps the linebackers on their toes, and allows you to exploit a lot more areas of the field, you know, just by, you know, getting that little half a second, you know, tenth of a second advantage where, you know, you're making a defender think for that, just that little brief moment of time. So I think that, you know, he's really been crucial into, you know, the Bears finding this, you know, success they've had. And, I don't know a lot of people will point to Trubisky, and we'll get to it later in the podcast, but I think ultimately the person that's really responsible for this resurgence has just been David Montgomery, and they've been able to build off of that. You know, it's kind of interesting because I feel for the first time the Chicago Bears have a complete offense. And the interesting thing about Matt Nagy's play calling and also his scheme in general is it relies very heavily on the fact of a balanced offense. And when you don't have a balanced offense, you can get yourself into a lot of trouble because you're relying on inefficiencies in your on your team. So for the first time, I mean, in 2018, it was like, okay, yeah, but we don't really have a running back that can necessarily get to the edge, stretch a defense out. You know, Jordan Howard has been good. Tariq Cohen has been good, but we could really use – a more explosive running back, someone who has a little more, you know, uh, shiftiness and won't go down at first contact. Um, that's what we can look for. So we got rid of Jordan Howard. We brought in David Montgomery. That same year, all of a sudden, we had a complete fall off at the tight end position and on the offensive line. 2018 was a disaster because of that tight end. You couldn't draw out any of the linebackers. You couldn't get them in coverage. So we pretty much just had a stacked box and blitzing on like probably like 60% of our offensive plays because that was the way to beat the Bears. We didn't have any threats at tight end. People don't forget that tight end is so, you know, important in managing linebackers. It really, it really helps you out to have a good tight end. This year we go ahead and we add Jimmy Graham, who, you know, say what you want about him, he's definitely taken up a lot more uh, attention than any tight ends on the 2019 Bears. And then we go ahead and add uh, Cole Komet as well, who has been doing the exact same thing. Uh, both have been somewhat productive, and really we're getting a level of production out of that position as total um, that's far beyond what we got in 2019. And then at the beginning of the year, you know, it started with the offensive line issues again. Yeah, we have the running back, we have the pieces, but, you know, David Montgomery's not getting any holes. Uh, no one has time to throw. We, we we can't really figure that out. And it seems like for the first time, the Chicago Bears, they just they found that offensive line to lock, and all of a sudden there's balance on the offense. 
And I think this is the first time we've seen a balanced offense out of Matt Nagy's era. And it's not even it's not even like the offensive line is that great, but I think it's a it's a combination of pieces, you know, building off of each other. You know, the offensive line performing slightly better, making David Montgomery all of a sudden get seen way more, get way more attention, which is pulling the safeties forward and it's pulling the linebackers forward. But now you have Cole Komet, who's also performing well, and he's dragging he's dragging linebackers out and getting the linebackers out of position. So it's this it's this whole balance effect that we are seeing happen in front of us. And it gives me a lot of hope for Matt Nagy. You know, it gives me a lot of hope because while I think, you know, we know that he's operating this with Mitch Trubisky, who we're going to get into in a second, and he's been performing well in his own regards as well, but we know that he's not a top quarterback. We know that he's someone who is limited, right? He's never going to be a top 10 quarterback, and we have to live with that right now. But what he is doing is he's they're certainly making the most out of this offense that they have put together. And it's it's been working really well, and it's resulted in players like David Montgomery having huge ends of the season. And looking at next year, I mean, if he kept this type of production up next year, he's going to be hitting like 1,700 yards, which I know is unrealistic to have that expectation for an entire season. But the man could easily put up 1,500 yards in a season. Yeah, I can see it, especially if he does it from, you know, start to finish. But I think that, you know, Montgomery, you know, has really, really helped – you know, change that the way the defenses look at the Bears, you know, for what you brought up with the linebackers and, and all that. And you bring up Komet. I think they've been able to use, you know, players like Komet out in the perimeter, you know, just getting, not throwing long passes to Komet, but getting it out to the flank. And I think that's a lot because, you know, a lot of linebackers are stuck inside now thinking about Montgomery running the ball. And, you know, they've just been able to use a lot more of the field. And in general, that's going to lead to a lot better offensive success. I mean, I'm almost kind of surprised that, you know, I, I'm scared to say it because, you know, Nagy's going to hear it and he's going to be like, oh, we're just going to see it all game. But I'm surprised that we haven't, you know, also accompanied this running game with, you know, screen passes because that's mm-hmm. also another effect of the run game is that it can make, you know, those screen plays a lot more effective, you know, throwing it out to the boundary quickly and, you know, hoping that, you know, people keep their eyes in the other places and, you know, that can also be done in kind of like an RPO fashion as well. So I definitely look, you know, to see that maybe pop up in, you know, weeks to come. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been really, really good. It's been really good. And the Bears have went from having r- ranking, right, as the 31st offense or 20 it might they might have been like 29th i might be a little little bit underrating them they were like 29th or 31st to now on the season statistically they're 18 because they've been producing at it they were the fourth scoring offense over the past four weeks so that type of level of production in that span of time is enough to you know really bring up your seasonal ranking so they're 18th scoring offense now on the season, and while I mean, the, if we looked at this graphically, it would look horrible, where it would just be like a huge slump down and then a huge spike up. But and we clearly need to figure out a way to make this more consistent. But man, uh, it, it has been really, really good for us. Um, so, so let's go ahead and, and move on to Trubisky's performance, though. You know, Mitchell Trubisky, he's been putting up some some numbers. I mean, we can look at this statistically speaking, right? Um, he's been putting up good numbers, best of his career in the past three games. Or, sorry, past four four games. Eight touchdowns, three interceptions, 978 yards. On the season when we don't include the, the Falcons game, because I'm not going to include the Falcons game because he didn't finish the game, so we don't really know. Um, on the season, though, 13 touchdowns, five interceptions. 1400 yards the thing is though that is on five games okay so if we if we looked at those over an entire season like just Trubisky's performance in the games that he's played he'd be on pace for 4,500 yards 41 touchdowns and 10 interceptions to to give that a whole season look that's insane that is really insane I mean I I think statistically I think that you know his probably most impressive stat is maybe how he's worked down that touchdown interception ratio just a bit. I would say that's one thing that, that stands out. 
Although I would say that, you know, he still is, you know, maybe it's more apparent in doing the eye test than in the stat book. But, you know, he still is making those occasional mistakes, making those turnovers, you know, throwing the ball away. And I would say, you know, the yardage total is decent. And it's definitely, it's good enough where in the way that this offense is working right now. I mean, I think for a lot of teams, you know, the week that he had last week might not be enough to win them the football game, like being 15 for 20 for, you know, like 200 yards and two touchdowns and one interception. It's not crazy production, but for what the Bears are asking him to do, it's enough. And I think the stats don't quite show exactly, you know, all that's going on, but I think it gives a a little bit of knowledge is that, you know, he's not putting up absolutely insane numbers. I think yardage-wise he could always do better, but I do think that, you know, he is starting to get up there where he's being, you know, more efficient at throwing the football and in turn he's getting better results as far as, you know, those touchdown numbers. This performance, his performance reminds me a lot of someone like Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, we listen, we're not going to come on here and tell you Trubisky is this great quarterback, right? Because the fact of the matter is he's not. We still need to move on from him no matter what he does. Barring a Super Bowl victory, we need to move on from him. And I'm not making predictions that that will happen. That being said, seeing how... Nagy and uh, Bill Lazor have built an offense around him that has allowed him to succeed over the past couple weeks and has allowed him to play within what he's comfortable with while it may not necessarily be sustainable for, you know, years going forward. It's something that could definitely work for the season. And it's something that's definitely very new for Trubisky, finding this rhythm. Um, unfortunately, it seems like he just will not be able to handle these big plays that we hoped that he could. Um, it seemed like two of, he, he was able to stretch the ball out one time uh, in this previous game, a little right sideline pass to Allen Robinson that has, had a nice throw. But the second he was given more time than he felt comfortable with, he threw an interception in the end zone, which was pretty brutal for us, unfortunately. Um, But again, it reminds me a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo and really what Kyle Shanahan is doing with him. Because anybody on earth can see that Jimmy Garoppolo is not a high-end quarterback. Okay, it's not hard to see how mu- how much is dumbed down. It also reminds me a lot of Sean McVay and uh, Jared Goff. You know, Jared Goff clearly is not a, a super high end quarterback, but the way that Sean McVay uses him, it puts him in a position to succeed, and that I think is really beneficial for Mitchell Trubisky for this year. And you know, going forward, I think that he probably will find another job, probably as a starter. I think some team would sign him. Um, but really, it's it's just we need to be happy with the performance, but also understand that this performance isn't like because he is this high-end quarterback and that these numbers aren't being produced because he's this high-end quarterback. What he's doing is very rudimentary. Yeah, I just kind of wish that, you know... Uh... You know, Nagy was able to kind of make those changes to make it a similar situation like Goff, you know, and McVeigh, and, you know, was really able to extract the most out of Trubisky earlier because now it's just, it's, you know, I think they're finally operating, you know, within the window that, that Trubisky can succeed. And it was kind of odd because, you know, in 2018, he very much did the same thing. And then I feel like he kind of lost that touch where he was able to kind of, he lost control. He ended up dumbing down the playbook a lot and the offense ended up being too rudimentary. And, you know, I think, you know, this season, of course, Trubisky wasn't allowed to play the full season because he was benched. So it was very odd. And it's just, it's kind of frustrating that, you know, we were only able to get maybe a good, you know, season and a half where he was actually playing in an offense he felt comfortable in and could operate and perform well in. And, I think it shows that he does have some ability to play that quarterback position. Uh, you know, he's definitely not elite. He's not a franchise quarterback in my eyes, you know, so I'm with you. I don't want to lie and be like, yeah, I, I want Trubisky back. I mean, I don't think, you know, he should be on this football team, you know, coming back next year, um, unless it's in like some kind of backup role. But if he wouldn't be willing mm-hmm. to take, you know, like backup money, I, I would definitely pass on him. You know, the Bears can definitely do a lot better at that position, but it is reassuring that, you know, 
they're able to find some success. And it's reassuring to me that, you know, Nagy was finally able to come up with something that was going to work because it seems like he was always banging his head against the wall trying to figure out, you know, how he could try to run his scheme through Trubisky. I think he should go to the 49ers, truthfully. Like, I, that's, I think that would be his best fit. Go ahead and get paired with Kyle Shanahan. You know, be able to be in an offense that feels comfortable with not having a high-end quarterback at at the at the at the head of it you know i think with matt Nagy, i think what we're finally seeing is that a lot of the offensive struggles weren't because he's necessarily a bad schem- bad schematically but rather i think he was trying to stretch himself a little too thin you know i think that we saw matt Nagy trying to have full control over this offense and not delegate enough and not try not push responsibilities onto other people and try to be that offensive coordinator. I think that Matt Nagy didn't fully understand that he's not an offensive coordinator now and that he's a head coach and he needs to delegate responsibilities and he needs to find an offensive coordinator that he trusts. And Laser, you know, I don't know necessarily if we'll retain Laser going into next year. I think there's reasons to, uh, especially if you maintain Matt Nagy, of course, there's reasons to. Um, but I think that the biggest thing for Nagy going forward is finding a coordinator that he trusts to handle the quarterback and that he trusts to just kind of handle a lot of the game day duties so that he can focus more on the offense as a whole. It seems like something that the broadcast was saying a lot is that Trubisky now has a really close relationship with Laser, So they talk all the time and they, he, Trubisky talks to him about what he's comfortable about and that he wasn't necessarily able to talk with Nagy all the time about what he's comfortable with because Nagy's the head coach. He has an entire team to oversee. He doesn't have the time or the time in meetings necessarily to work with the quarterback all the time. So really that's, that's what I would like to see, especially, and if we're drafting a quarterback, same situation, find a coordinator you trust, uh, find someone that you feel comfortable with developing your quarterback that you can kind of delegate these responsibilities onto. Yeah, it would definitely be nice if, you know, everyone was kind of at a consensus as to what quarterback they wanted. And, you know, we kind of don't under, you know, get into a situation like when Nagy came here with Trubisky, where it wasn't really the kind of player that he wanted to work with. It'd be good to get, you know, someone that they think is going to fit within the system. And there is no kind of, you know, periods of figuring out like, you know, Nagy and Trubisky had where they could never really quite get on the same page. Because if that can happen and there's that kind of harmony between the coaching staff and the quarterback position, it will definitely be reflected in offensive production, especially if someone like you know Mon- Montgomery can continue at the rate that he's at. That will definitely be a very efficient offense and you know one that could lead this team to a good amount of success. And you know I think that Bears fans should be happy that you know we can succeed this much with Trubisky. And it can kind of just opens your eyes to how good this team could be if they really had a, you know, a really solid franchise quarterback at the helm. Oh, I can promise you that both Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, they like Zach Wilson. You know, I guarantee, I guarantee you that Zach Wilson is obviously he's probably not the top quarterback for them, as I'm sure they both love Trevor Lawrence, but he's probably up there. He's probably two maybe three for them because Zach Wilson plays in a West Coast scheme right now he plays in a very NFL similar West Coast scheme to what Nagy runs so they're seeing him execute literally the exact scheme that they are desiring to run on the field for BYU and not just doing it at a good level but doing it at a great level and I have my concerns with Wilson we've both talked about our concerns with Wilson but if we want to talk about the Boca Raton Bowl that we just watched yesterday man he looks very sharp very very sharp and um, I just I think that both Nagy and Ryan Pace I don't know if they'll have an opportunity to draft him really I think that you know he's rising up on everybody's boards very quickly and i think by the time the draft comes he's going to be considered you know in in a top 10 pick for sure i would be surprised if he made it past there but he he i guarantee you that he is naggy and and especially i was watching a video actually on ryan pace and a big reason why he cho- like thinking through the reasons why he chose trubisky and i didn't even think about this but ryan pace is a very obsessed with drew Brees. 
right? Because he played with the Saints. He was part of the crew that signed Drew Brees. And, like, his his style, you know, the accurate, you know, rollout, you can make a throw. Mitchell Trubisky plays a lot into that. And so does Zach Wilson to a certain extent. And honestly, I think that Zach Wilson uh, is one of the one of the best play creators in the draft. There, he has tons of concerns. I mean, we can look at some of the skeptical throws he's made, some of the inaccuracies. He has a lot of inaccuracies within the first 10 yards of the field just because of all the different crap he tries to do on every single play. But at the end of the day, he is a very, he is a he's a playmaker and he he's very similar to someone that I think Nagy and Pace would really like, even over someone like a Trey Lance who I personally am a huge fan of. Yeah, I I think you know what I say I don't know if it's gonna make sense to everyone, but with Zach Wilson I definitely have to see the game come to him more than you know kind of the way that he plays it where I feel like you know he's forcing things almost trying mm-hmm. too hard and. I think some of that could be the role that he plays within that BYU team. You know, I mean, there's definitely, you know, he's trying to lift that team up. You know, maybe he's a talent at that position that, you know, that team, I guess they're somewhat, you know, equated with it, but they're not, you know, 100% because Taysom Hill did come from BYU. And he, mm-hmm. while he is kind of an unconventional quarterback, I mean, that is a successful person at that position. But anyway, I think that he just needs to let the game come to him a little bit more. He doesn't quite play with the ease that, you know, when I when I think of an elite like franchise quarterback, it's someone that, you know, is playing the game with ease and, you know, no matter what kind of situation they can adapt, change and, you know, suit their play style in order to give their team the best chance to win. And I think that, you know, while Zach Wilson is giving his team the best chance to win, a lot of it comes from, you know, maybe trying to force things a little bit. And that is a sign of a young quarterback. And fortunately, I think that's something that can be worked out, you know, through good coaching. So, you know, if the Zach Wilson ends up being a bear, that would be good. I know that people are really excited after his performance last night. You know, I saw people on Twitter talking about it. I know that a lot of Bears fans have their eyes on Zach Wilson, and and I understand. And we're just gonna have to see how it plays out as we get closer to the draft. You know where the Bears are actually picking when this is all said and done, and uh, you know whether or not they have a realistic shot at him. But it's definitely gonna be interesting, and uh, I could definitely see him rise up, like you said, to potentially be a top ten pick. And it'll be interesting to see. You know, does he is he able to kind of like hop over someone like Trey Lance because that could have an effect on you know what the Bears do as well. I'm very interested in also seeing just exactly the way that free agency falls because kind of looking at what the Bears did this year and how they didn't spend all their cap space this year, they're probably going to shift a couple contracts like they did in 2019 under this season's cap space because carryover cap I think is only like 10% of what it is. So it makes the most sense to restructure and give your player, pay your players out as much money uh, at the end of the season as makes sense. Um, right now, I think the bears are saying at like 20 million for the season left. So they have plenty of cap space to do that. Um, but again, just kind of moving forward, like I'm interested to see if the bears try to go free agent or try to go in the draft, because I think that's a big reason why Allen Robinson has yet to be signed is because they have that uncertainty at quarterback and at offensive line, and they kind of want to see how things shake out. Um, but there, there's, I mean, this year we are, if, if you look, if you miss on a quarterback this year with how many options are available to you, and we don't have at least a competent starter going into next year with the draft capital, the quarterbacks available, everything, you know, at our hands, that, that is a fireable offense for Ryan Pace. Um, if he hasn't already done a lot of fireable things, uh, that is for sure a fireable offense. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we can get that hammered out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's uh, definitely within the best interest of the team to to make sure that this next quarterback that's brought in is someone's going to be a good fit for this team for a long time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And now let's go ahead and let's get back to today, though. Let's let's talk a little bit about the Bears and the playoffs. Man, it really looks like the Chicago Bears are going to make the playoffs. It, it really does because all they need to do is beat the Jaguars, beat a Packers team that's likely going to be resting starters because they have. I don't. We're. Tr- I'm trying to figure out the exact breakdown right now, but I'm pretty sure if the Packers win this week, 
then they have no reason to be playing that week 17 game, but we're going to have to see on that one. Um, and then I doubt that the Cardinals will win out. They have a couple of intriguing games, one of them against the Rams, which is a game that the Rams actually need to need to play. The Rams need, need to win that game. Um, and if you're asking me, the Rams are a much better team than the Arizona Cardinals, uh, even though they just lost to the Jets. So um, that's kind of, you know, interesting. <laughs> but and the the question is, is, you know, A, do we make the playoffs? I think there are chances increase every single week. Um, I, I can't imagine us getting upset by the Jaguars this week, especially when they're probably doing their best to maintain that Trevor Lawrence draft pick. Um, and then, you know, the Packers, it's going to be complicated because if they are playing that game, that's going to make it a little more difficult. Um, it's still possible, but uh, then our chances go down a lot, I believe. So we really need to be betting for them to get that week one by. Um, and then, you know, the question is when we get in, how do we perform? Yeah, it's going to be real interesting. I think that, you know, as far as it, you know, possibly all coming down to, you know, the Green Bay game, you know, if Rodgers ends up playing, it's going to be tough. But, you know, without Rodgers, I think, you know, a lot of Bears fans are going to feel just a tad bit of confidence. You know, I think they're not going to want to say it. They're not going to want to jinx anything. But, you know, if you end up get Jordan Love to suit up out there, I think the Bears can feel that, you know, hey, with this defense, they can maybe get him, get in his head a bit, shake him up, and then, you know, the Bears can hopefully get some points on the board and kind of control the game. And I think that would really be the kind of tactic that you'd want to take in that Green Bay game is to control it, don't leave anything in doubt, and just, you know, seal it from start to finish. And, you know, you know, hopefully the Bears don't lose what is a very obvious trap game in – in Jacksonville or I don't know if it's in Jacksonville but against Jacksonville and you know I don't see them dropping it it would be a shock if they dropped it this is a bad Jacksonville team like you said they have every motivation to lose they're not playing for anything else but for that draft (laughs) pick so you know if the Bears do come out and lose then I mean wow I mean it's gonna be the kind of disappointment that you know the fans have had during that you know six game losing streak but you know, I, I think, you know, there is a little bit, you know, having it not be fully in your hands is a little bit stress inducing. You know, I'm not going to say that, you know, having to have Arizona lose, you know, is not necessarily a comfortable thing. However, mm-hmm. you know, right. Like you said, that Rams game going to be an important one. I would kind of put Arizona and the Rams kind of on the same tier. Maybe I'd give the slight, you know, edge to the Rams. I, I'm not a huge like Rams fan. But at the same time, I think that, you know, that's very much a game that Arizona could lose. And I almost think that might be one of the toughest parts of the equation because if Enzo coming down to playing a Jacksonville team and, you know, playing a game that where maybe Rodgers is sitting on the bench in Green Bay, I think the Bears can accomplish those two right there. And the toughest part is just, you know, getting the Arizona to lose. So I'd say that, you know, it's probable that they could make it into the playoffs and, you know, nothing is guaranteed for sure. But it could certainly come down to the last week. I mean, I, I definitely think the Bears are going to win and uh, at least give themselves a chance heading heading into that game against Green Bay. Man, it seems like the premier uh, the premier spot in this playoffs is that fifth seed that the Lands, Rams are probably going to land because that means you get to go up against the NFC East, uh, a t- uh, division where I'm pretty sure no team has more than six wins currently, which is just insane absolutely insane to think about and none of those teams if they were in a different division would probably finish anything better than worse than a division um (laughs) but you know that that is what it is and and it's gonna be interesting to see how that kind of plays out um as far as you know when we make it into the playoffs if we make it into the playoffs you know the way this bears team has been playing i wouldn't put it past them that they could win a game i i think where it gets shady is when we inevitably have to go play the Packers in Lambeau if we actually do do well, because it essentially means if we get in at the sixth seed, that means that whatever team we play, we're going to play the uh, second seed, right? So that's probably going to be the Saints or the Seahawks. And 
You know, I, be- I believe, I mean, we saw how we performed against the Saints while our offense was playing terrible. I believe that we could beat that Saints team. Um, I don't I don't know about the Seahawks at this point, really. DK Metcalf has been playing crazy. I know their defense kind of sucks right now. But the Bears could absolutely win a game. The question is, if they win a game, is that better or worse for the Chicago Bears? Because they would probably, I mean, I just, I really can't see this Bears team beating that Packers team in the playoffs, even though it'd be fun to think about and be really cool. If we did it beating the Packers coming off a bye in Lambeau, that's, that's not a, that's not a very easy thing to do. (laughs) You'd have to think that they'd really have to catch the Packers on a bad day for that to kind of happen. It would be, you know, one of those games where the Packers aren't really clicking on all, you know, cylinders. They're not, you know, don't have the same touch that they usually do because, yeah, straight up head-to-head, I mean, it's tough to really favor this Bears team against, you know, a Packers team that, you know, I don't know, just Aaron Rodgers and this Bears team, just he always does damage in, in a game that matters. I mean, we've seen it happen so many times before, you know, whether it be, you know, in 2011 or, you know, even more recent memory, he's always been killing this Bears team, especially when it counts, so... Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. it's a tough thing to picture, but you know, you never know what can happen once you get in the playoffs and you have to get in in order to give yourself a chance and you know, the Bears can possibly make that happen and you know, once you get in, you know, who knows what can happen. So it's just a matter of them hopefully, you know, winning out these two games and and getting Arizona to lose and it'll surely give us an interesting matchup like you said if it either ends up being the Saints or the Seahawks. I mean, It'll definitely be a fun game to watch, and I think the Bears could be competitive in either one of those games. Wouldn't necessarily say that they'd win, but they'd at least have a shot. You know, more so, I'd almost feel. uh, You know, I don't know. I don't know who I'd feel better off with, to be honest. The the Seahawks or the or the Saints. You know, maybe just the Saints because they're a little more. uh, I don't know. I feel like you can catch the Seahawks on a bad day where they're just going all out and Russell Wilson is having a crazy game and you can't really stop him, but at least they have a shit defense. So it, it's kind of 50, 50. I mean, it, it'll be what it'll be. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's difficult. I think I'd almost rather catch the saints. Um, you know, Drew Brees, Drew Brees, yeah. he's a great quarterback, but he hasn't had a great season. And with, you know, Michael Thomas hasn't had a great season. And I, I think that he's been battling some injuries too. Uh, really Kamara is the big weapon and you know the way that we performed with Foles against them and how terrible our offensive line was that game I just I believe that you know with Trubisky with our newfound offense with David Montgomery I really think that the Bears could be competitive in that game and at least have like a 40 percent chance of winning you know Um, but we're gonna have to see of course this is all predicated that we actually get into the playoffs um and, you know, I do believe that this Bears team in their current state could make some noise. I, I do believe it. Um, this Jags game isn't really going to tell us much about the team. Um, I could easily see Mitchell Trubisky throwing for like six touchdowns. Um, but it's not going to be really meaningful because we're playing against the team with the number one overall draft pick, which is much different than playing with a team that, you know, is actually competitive, like the Packers that we're going to be meeting week 17. So. We're going to have to figure it out, and if the Packers do rest starters, I mean, hopefully Matt Nagy can get his second win against the Packers as the Bears head coach. Yeah, and what I will say is that they are getting hot at the right time. So, like you said, I mean, in the shape that this team is in and, you know, having, uh, you know, if they make it, they'd have to be playing a wild card game. Just being able to continue that kind of momentum, that can take you real far and, you know, it's not always the best team in the NFL that wins the Super Bowl, and I'm not trying to say that the Bears are going to win the Super Bowl, but you know, just making it in the playoffs, you're you're a long shot at any odds, um, but there's still that chance. I mean, I would say, you know, definitely both those years the Giants won the Super Bowl. I don't think they're the best team in the league by any measure, but hey, I mean, in the history books, it doesn't really matter, you know, how I feel about it. It was they, the fact that they lifted the trophy, so you know, that's yeah, all. Yeah, and and the Bears have won against teams that are really good in the nfc you know like we we have won against the bucks in the past we've won against good nfc teams like the rams 
we, we, we've beaten good teams, not necessarily this year, but in Matt Nagy's tenure with Mitchell Trubisky, it's possible for sure. And this is the sharpest that this Bears team has looked offensively even since 2018. Uh, everything. Everything is kind of going right for the Bears. They need to keep it up. They need to find their momentum. And they need to keep going it. And they need to – this is their run-the-table season, you know, like the Packers had. They got to run the table. Yep. Yeah, they do. They have to run the table and, you know, sometimes that kind of pressure can really, you know, bring a team together and make them perform at its best. And I guess we'll kind of see like what they say, what's the term, like the kind of metal a team has. I mean, not like you know actual metal, but like M-E-T-T-L-E, like the kind of metal of a team, you know, as far as, you know, will they rally up when they're put, you know, against a, uh, in a pressure scenario. And, you know, sometimes different teams react different ways. I mean, of course you always have your choke artists, but you have also have your teams that, you know, rise when it gets to its toughest. And, you know, certainly the bears have, have came on when they needed to. I mean, the question is, was it a week too late? You know, we'll end up biting them that they, you know, drop that game to the lions. If it does, it will hurt. But if not, you know, it's certainly that low point brought this team, brought this team to a point where, you know, they really changed course and, uh, you know, if it's enough to, to get them into the playoffs, you'd have to at least say that they are going to have some good momentum heading into it, which, you know, is never a bad thing. We just need the defense to take a step back up because if that if the defense starts playing the way it was at the beginning of the season, this is going to be a really good team in the playoffs. And we just it's funny that we have to talk about the defense, but right now they're just not performing to the level they once did. Um, and Chuck Pagano needs to get that hammered out. And, you know, just this Bears team could be very, very good and very competitive. And it's going to be really fun to watch, ultimately. Um, you know, seeing the Bears in the playoffs, even if it, you know, may damage our draft position, could be really beneficial for free agents, free agent quarterbacks. There's tons of benefits to performing well, uh, as well as there's benefits to if we make the, if we miss the playoffs. I mean, we're talking about probably like the 16th draft pick. So a good mid-draft pick um, allows for a lot of different trade-up scenarios when it comes to different quarterbacks available. Um, but this is just going to be something we're going to have to ride out, see who, uh, how things shake up, and uh, just kind of go from there. Yeah, I'd say that's really all you can say about that. I know that you know Bears fans will certainly be excited to watch the Bears play some meaningful games because – you know, it's basically the playoffs that started already for this team. I mean, you know, they win their or they lose their out. So, you know, we're playing playoff football already, and I'm sure that's the mentality that the that Nagy is pressing with the team is that the intensity needs to be at a hundred percent. And uh, you know, I'd even say, you know, it would be concerning if they come out and don't dominate the Jaguars because this is a team that needs to be playing very motivated football and needs to be finishing, you know, strong and, and playing as hard as they can and you know, if the Bears kind of get that messaging through, then they're going to be a pretty dangerous team. Yes, and let's kind of move on to our last topic here, the Jaguars. Uh, as you know, we always end our show with our preview of the following game that's coming this Sunday. And, uh, man, you have to feel good as a Bears fan about your chances here. Uh, the way the Bears have been playing against defense is much better than the Jaguars against offense is much better than the Jaguars. Um, it, it's just really hard to believe that we'll lose the Jaguars here. Um, I could definitely see this being a huge game for Mitchell Trubisky, uh, running the football, see a, a big game for him passing the football. I think we're going to see a next gear in the offense. Cause I think we've seen a lot of, you know, controlling the pace of the game, uh, you know, like doing this, like, I guess like, you know, chipping away at other defenses, running the ball. Well, I think we'll see Trubisky here and mainly because of the lack of talent on this Jaguars team. I mean, it's really, this is a really bad team. Um, I don't think that's a, that's a stretch to say, considering they have one win and are, uh, fighting for that number one overall draft pick. And I also think they're going to do what they can to lose, truthfully. Uh, I feel like this coaching staff feels comfortable with their one win and are just hoping that they can get that top overall draft pick at this point. I mean, beating the Bears would be so meaningless uh, to the future of the franchise, whereas getting Trevor Lawrence would be incredibly impactful. Um, so, yeah, I think that this Jaguars team is going to – get beaten up pretty badly. And I think that this is the first game this season that the bears break 40 points on offense. That would certainly be nice. And, 
you know, the odds are definitely in the Bears' favor. I think that, you know, they have some good matchups they can work with and, you know, also some of their own momentum and identity now. So hopefully they can use a combination of, you know, being tactical and trying to pick apart that defense, but also just kind of rolling with what works too. I mean, the best part about kind of getting some momentum on offense is to be able to have something you can lean on and consistently, consistently use. It's going to get you in beneficial situations. So I'd hope that they're able to keep pounding the football, at least, you know, start the game by running the football well, but then also build off of that. You know, like you said, you know, Trubisky has the potential to have a big game, you know, let him sling the ball a bit. You know, I'd like to see some shots downfield too. I like to see this Bears offense take a couple of risks once they really start to get some uh, some production and gets things rolling. So, you know, I don't see this defense having uh, much trouble with the Jaguars' offense either. I mean, the Bears' defense is always going to usually be the aggressor. You know, even when Pagano was playing pretty passive, just you know, the aggressiveness of the front seven in general is always going to lead them to making some pretty big plays, and I think that they're going to have opportunity to make quite a few against this Jaguars team. I'm sure that, you know, Khalil Mack is going to be pinned up and, and possibly double team. But, hey, I mean, maybe maybe the Jacksonvilles want to throw us a bone and they'll just leave, you know, Mack wide open and will allow us to just square up <laughs> and, you know, get a f- free couple turnovers or something. That would be nice. But you'd have to say that, you know, everything is kind of stacked up in the Bears' favor, so they really just need to not blow it. And if they if they lose, they definitely blew it. I don't think there's any other way to put it other outside of that. I think this is definitely one that most people are going to expect them to win and one that they have to win. Uh, so anything outside of a win is going to be a massive disappointment and, and one that's going to ultimately lead to, uh, you know, them not being able to make the playoffs. I think that this game is going to be David Montgomery's best game of the year. Because even when the Bears start letting up on them and the Bears stop, you know, passing downfield, they're going to be running the ball a lot. And this Jacksonville Jaguars defensive line is just not good anymore. It's not to where it was. And I think we're going to see David Montgomery just absolutely dominate the run game. I think we could see Dave Montgomery go over 200 yards in this game, which is a very bold prediction. But I mean, when you think about the, if he just played the way he played last week against this team, I, I, I feel like it's, it's pretty clear that 200 yards isn't even that much. It'd definitely be nice to see. I mean, it's been a while since we've had a great, you know, rushing performance like that. And 200 yards is definitely a spectacular game. Uh, you know, no matter, even no matter how many carries you have, I don't care what your, mm-hmm. what your yards per carry was, you get to 200. That was a spectacular game. And if Montgomery is able to do it, if Montgomery is able to put up 200 yards, I don't see a way that we can lose unless, you know, we just start automatically having red zone troubles again. But, you know, luckily that's been something that this team's been, been slowly getting better at. So, you know, hopefully he gets benched for foals. <laughs> yeah, right. The, yeah, if that happens, then then wow. But <laughs> you would have to think that there's really nothing about this Jaguars team that, that scares you. And, you know, I'm sure that they'll figure maybe something out. Yeah, you know, I'm sure, you know, I don't think the Bears will shut this Jaguars team out. Maybe they'll get a touchdown and a field goal. Maybe they'll get a couple touchdowns. But I think the Bears are going to be able to win this one pretty comfortably. Uh I would like to say by three touchdowns, but I would say that, you know, I think the Bears can get an easy 14-point win on them, I think, at least. Yeah, I would be kind of shocked if it was any more than that. Um, and then, on, I mean, their offense is not great. Anyways, you know, they got a decent running back um, over there. I think his name's James Robinson, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, James Robinson. I wanted to make sure I was correct there, so... Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a really interesting game. The one thing that I think might get to them maybe is the Florida heat. Um, but, you know, at this time of the year, it's not super hot down there. Um, but, yeah, guys, I mean, it's it's going to be an important game. Um, it's one that the Bears can really make put give their team a message and the NFL a message, show them that, you know, we're, we're not just going to, you know, we're, we're not just going to beat, you know, bad teams but when we play bad teams we're gonna you know beat the crap out of them and I think that's what Nagy needs to be preaching to his team that this game goes beyond just the team you're playing it can be a message if we go all out you know like it we're gonna show that we have a competent offense that could play really good 
against bad teams, but you know, also the performance is so good that it makes you hope that they could perform well against good teams as well. So that's that's what I yeah. think how it's going to play out. Yeah, and you know, I'd hope that you know everything that you said, you know, ends up being the case. It'd be great to have you know great performances by both Montgomery and Trubisky. So I mean, yeah, we're just gonna have to wait and see on game day and make sure that that you know goes as is and. You know, we'll be back after that, of course, with a with a post game reaction, you know, like we always do, talking about the game, and you know, hopefully, after if it's a Bears victory, we can talk about, you know, all the scenarios that they need to uh, get into the playoffs, and we'll have a better picture of what Green Bay will be doing as well. So it'll definitely be an exciting time uh, by the time that uh, the whistle is is blown on the the final whistle is blown on that game, and we can really start looking ahead into you know possibly the playoffs. Yeah, this is a this is a huge week for the Chicago Bears. Um, Cardinals could fall as well. We could be easily talking about the Bears maintaining a playoff seat right now. Only thing they don't need to do is go blow it to the Green Bay Packers, uh, which I mean, how how much of a bear, more Bears thing having such a disappointing season could that that end? I feel <laughs> right. like that is the most Bears ending to a season, uh, getting actually excited for one more time and then just absolutely blowing it. But you know what would be nice, though, is if the Packers started their starters and we won. That could that that may be the most hype we could be at that point. That yeah. may give us the oh, most certainly, confidence. Because yeah. then you say, hey, we just beat the number one seed in the NFC, and we believe we can do it again. So, you know, it is what it is. It's going to be interesting to see. Yep, bear down.